Glory, glory. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And while you're finding there, I've got a wonderful announcement to make. You know, many of us have been here a long time. We know who Mom Marlene is. And uh, Mom Marlene uh, went to heaven a couple of months ago. And uh, she uh, just has been such a vital part of this congregation and the plan of God. And years ago, you know, I saw her heart and passion for prayer. Uh, prayer for this ministry, prayer for me, my family, and for all of you. And many, many a time in the early morning or in the late hours, if necessary, when I got emergency calls, she would respond uh, to my text and would join me in prayer. Well, <clears throat> you know, she's still praying with us, and she's just got a better view, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just vitally important that uh, we, we continue on in our prayer efforts. Your life, your family, the plan of God, this church will only go as far as we fuel it in prayer. <clears throat> and so uh, God has just been so faithful to not leave any sort of gap in leadership. And uh, Reverend Richard and Pam have just been led by God and taken big steps of faith in obedience to what God has told them to do to just reposition and to get in position where God wants them to be. And God just put it immediately on my heart to ask them both to step into that role as our prayer and altar ministry director. <clears throat> and so I invited them to do that, and they have graciously accepted. Why don't you stand up, let everybody see your faces. This is R uh, Reverend Richard and Pam Hicks. Let's give them a hand. Praise God. Thank you for all your ministry to the body of Christ and your faithfulness to the plan of God. And thank you for accepting our invitation uh, to, uh, to take on this most important role. And uh, so uh, anyway, they'll be uh, leading the prayer effort and and part of their job is to get you praying. <laughs> and so make that an easy job for them. Make that an easy job for them. We're also going to revamp, revive and, uh, our altar ministry. And uh, so if you're interested in being an altar worker, just pray that God moves upon me and us to, to pick you out. That's a hand-picked thing. I'm not going to turn just anybody loose uh, in the altar praying for people. And, uh, but anyway, um, we're excited about the future. And uh, so anyway, thank you for your heart for God and for us and all that God is doing. Amen. Amen. So praise God. Well, let's bow our heads. Father, we come to eating time. Uh, Jesus, I, I can just sort of see you in my mind's eye there, maybe nose to nose, face to face, very intent in that moment that you had with, with Peter. And you said, Peter, do you love me? He says, of course, you know I love you. And Jesus, you responded, feed my sheep. Over and over, three times you went through this exercise. And each time you emphasized the, the call, the command, how important it was to you that the sheep, that God's people, that, that they are fed the Word of God. Father, enable me and help me. I make a demand on that grace, that office of ministry that you put in my life. Uh, I, I'm nothing, but you're everything. And I thank you that you would enable me to be an effective minister of the New Testament. That revelation will flow. That the word of God will be spoken with clarity, simplicity, and boldness. Now, God, we also acknowledge that I'm not the only one that has a part in this moment. They, they the people, they have a huge part to play in what happens next. That, God, their hearts and their minds are open and alert. They're not thinking about what comes next, but God, they're locked in right here with me. They're pulling, they're expecting, they're receiving, they're responding. God, only then can they be blessed as they become doers of what they hear from the Word. 
We thank you for all of this today. We're in faith about it, and we, we appreciate you so much unveiling the Word of God to us again today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, last week, I believe that the Lord's direction just seemed good, praise God, uh, to me and in my heart to begin teaching and ministering again on the subject of faith. Faith, I'm convinced, is the most important subject in the Bible. And people go, what? <laughs> Being saved and going to heaven, that's the most important subject of the Bible. Well, uh, it's very important, but you can't get saved and go to heaven without faith. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so, you know, even in the area of love, love is the great commandment. We understand that. But, uh, you know, you can't please God without faith. The Bible says you cannot please God without faith. And uh, all that God has given, we'll get into this in greater detail, I trust, this morning, but all that God has given for you to walk in it, for you to benefit from it, for, for you to receive it, uh, we've got to get away from. We're, we're, we've learned in this church, haven't we? Thank God. We're, we're not boasting anything, but thank God for light and God's grace and anointing that has helped us to see that we have a part in whether or not we're going to walk and receive in what God's planned and purposed. It's not just all up to God. This whole idea of, well, if God wants to heal me, He will. Well, He already, he already really has done everything He's going to do about healing you. Amen. He's bought it. God authored the plan. He, Jesus executed the plan. He, he paid for it. By His stripes we were healed. Now it's up to you. Are you going to receive it? Are you going to receive it? Am I going to receive it? And uh, so we're excited about living by faith. I never got a chance to meet him. I can't wait to get to heaven to get my turn to meet Brother Hagin and to shake his hand and to thank him for what he did to change my life and how he's affected my life, what he's taught me, what his ministry has meant to me. And, um, but I remember Brother Hagin saying, he said, if I, uh, I'm not a pastor, uh, he pastored 12 years, but he was in the ministry for over 60. But he said, if I were to ever go back and pastor, I would take at least one service a week for the rest of my pastorate and preach and teach on the subject of faith. Because that's where the people live. Whether or not they're going to have victory or defeat, whether they're going to make it or not, that's, that's where it is, is in this issue of faith. So we never get tired. We never, right? we never have this approach, well, I heard that before. If that's our approach, we know sure enough that we don't know anything. You know, uh, because none of us have seen it all, learned it all, walked in it all. We're all learning and we're all growing. Besides, faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And we want to have strong faith. And so, praise God. Well, here in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll begin where we began last week. And in verse number 35, uh, the writer says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. The word recompense means repayment. Amen. There's a repayment. There is a reward that comes to those who don't cast away their confidence. They don't cast aside their confidence. Well, what does he mean, confidence? Confidence is just another word for faith. If I am in faith about anything, you know, I'm not behind this pulpit, you know, wondering, questioning whether or not I'm going to heaven. My heart stops beating. My body falls right behind this pulpit. Don't cry for me. I know where I'm going. I don't think. I don't hope. I don't. I know. I, I know. Now, listen, I, I've never had a vision of Jesus. I have never seen Jesus. I have not had the uh, experience like Thomas did where I got to handle Jesus. 
and put my finger into the hole where the nail was. I've never seen my name actually written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've never yet beheld streets of gold. I've never heard with these ears the angels, you know, singing holy, holy, holy. And yet, I know. I know that God is. I know that there's life after death. I know that Jesus, like these young ones that were uh, baptized, I know just like they do, that Jesus is the Son of God and He's alive today. I know it. I know there's a book. My name's in that book. I'm not going to be shaken wondering when they're flipping the pages to make sure it's in. I know it's in there. How do we know? Faith is how we know. Is that not right? How many of you, you share that kind of confidence in your salvation? Well, that's not everybody. I said, that's not everybody. How many of you, you are, that's the kind of confidence you have. How many of you are not going to raise your hand for a million dollars? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, that needs to be everybody in the room. And if you're not confident, if you don't know that you know, well, then no doubt uh, that's because the Spirit of God's not alive in you to give witness to that fact. You need to be born again. You need to accept Jesus. Call on His name. Don't wait for me to give you a chance. Do it now. And uh, so anyway, praise God. Well, so confidence is another expression for faith. So we could say it this way, read the verse this way, not do the passage any injustice. Cast not away, therefore, your faith. Why? Because it has a great recompense of reward. We're here in Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, just a couple of pages to the left. Verse number 11 and 12, and it says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, and that you be not slothful or lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience or endurance inherit the promises. Who inherits the promises? Those who are not lazy spiritually. Those who are diligent. Sure is quiet. Think about this language, full assurance of hope. You know, as the Lord helps us, we'll, we'll get to here eventually. So faith, confidence. Here's another word that describes the person in faith. Assurance. If you're in faith about something, you are assured. You're assured of that thing. Amen? How many of you drove to church this morning assured we would be here? How many of you, you drove and you were like, man, I... I hope we don't waste our time today. I, I, hope, I hope the building's open. I, I, I hope there's a preacher behind the pulpit. I, well, you know, you're operating in a, in, a, in a kind of faith. What? Faith in me. Faith in our congregation. Faith in our staff. Faith in a website. Faith in a published schedule. Right? But we can see that the one in faith, they're not uh, vacillating. They're not wondering. They're not questioning. They're not wishing. They are confident and they are assured. Well, how long are we supposed to 
uh, be assured about whatever we're hoping for, about whatever we're expecting to the end, until that thing shows up, to the full outcome. Amen? And then I love this, that we are to be followers of them. In other words, God wants to put some people in your life who are out ahead of you in this life of faith, someone that you are to follow their example. What kind of people are you looking for? Well, you're looking for some people who know how to believe God when it's tough. Amen? When things are not looking like they're working. And yet you found someone, amen, that you can follow their example and say, here's someone who has kept the faith. Amen? They did not fall away. They didn't vacillate. They didn't back down. They didn't lay down their faith. But through faith and endurance, they actually inherited the promises. <clears throat> amen? Now, I'm endeavoring to be that kind of example. I'm endeavoring to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But do you have somebody? You, you should. You should have a pastor. You should have a spiritual father. You should have some people. And more than that, other believers, mentors, ministries. Amen. And they need to be faith people. Demonstrating faith. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we are instructed in the word, not to ever lay down our confidence, to cast away our faith. Amen. Because if we'll not do that, there is a great reward. There's a great reward for that. Now go on again in verse 36, sort of in the same spirit of the scriptures we've been, we just read earlier in Hebrews 6. But here in Hebrews 10, verse 36, it says, For you have need of patience. Amen. You know, God don't have no instant pudding. Amen? Very few things in your spiritual life will you just snap your fingers and you pray a prayer and there it is. And you pray the prayer of salvation, thank God. Snap your fingers, there, there He is. Living in you. Born again. Amen? And you can be filled with the Holy Ghost that fast. Hallelujah. You don't have to tarry for hours and hours crying and begging and asking God to do what He's already promised He wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. I am not one that believes in long extended stands for healing. I'm not one that believes that. However, I'm going to stand for my healing however long it takes. <laughs> and most of the time when there's, when, there's, when there's time between the release of faith and the manifestation of someone's physical healing, most of the time it's, uh, it's a tweak that needs to be made in the one wanting to receive. You could really be in faith, but if you've been uh, a jerk to your wife, you know, uh, faith works by love. Your faith won't work. Some, some, a lot of people are in unforgiveness, bitterness, strife. Some people have lived decades of their life outside the plan of God. You know, sometimes if things are taking a long time, this is the way I do it. Now, you, you, this, is not, this is not a scripture. So this is just, this is just for your consideration. The way I approach faith for healing is if uh, I get in faith for my healing in receiving mode for maybe I'm dealing with uh, uh, symptoms, let's say uh, some sort of cold, whatever is coming against my body. If I don't see my body begin to amend and change within about 36 hours, then I'm starting to check up on myself. 
Because God's not dangling healing out there and saying, oh, let's see if you can just make it for six months. Now, if you've got to stand for six months, you got go, go for it. Do whatever you've got to do. Dr. Jacobs, my spiritual father, he stood in faith. He said he had a pain in his side that felt like someone had impaled him with a javelin all the way through to the back. And he had that pain for 14 years. <laughs> so you, you think you're doing, you're faith giants, you know, standing in faith for three days. I mean, he stood for 14 years. Now, why it took that long, he don't know, I don't know. Amen, but that's not the will of God. Amen. I know that it took a long time for him to get a spiritual father in his life. Uh, and it, once he got a spiritual father in his life, that uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne spoke to him by the Spirit and said, that pain that's in your side is going to leave you. And it did. It took off. Amen. I'm not trying to discourage. If, you're, if you've been standing, the Bible says keep standing. Hallelujah. But faith works. Don't watch your health go down, 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 and just say, I'm believing. I'm believing. Evidently not. That's kind of a sacred cow. You don't expect to hear that kind of word from a pastor. But I, I say it in love. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I've watched precious people say, and they think they are. They're believing. But they go down, down, down. Well, God's just, just playing around. He, he, it's not His plan that you get to death's door before you get turned around. Are you with me? Well, what do I do then? Well, be humble. What I do is I say, okay, God, I know healing's right. I know it's for me. Uh, and uh, I, know, I know a little bit about faith, don't know it all. But evidently, I'm missing something. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to show me what I'm missing. And the Bible says when you ask God for insight, when you ask God for wisdom, He never upbraids you. He never makes fun of you. He said, well, you know, He's never going to call you a dummy. He never gonna, the Bible says that in James chapter 1. And anyone that asks for wisdom, what does He do? He gives you wisdom. He gives you liberally. He gives you generous. He's out to help you. Amen. And there have been many, many times, many, many times, many, many times. Everyone say many, many times. Many, many times in my life when I went to God about why, you know, what's not working here. He gave me something. And when I made the change, it's amazing how easy, how faith works. Are you with me? Now, I wasn't praying for healing, but I was praying for the church's finances years ago. And uh, we were doing okay, but I knew we could be doing better than we were financially. So I, I got up early in the morning, and I was set, I'm going to talk to God about this. So I did. Day number one, I talked to God. And God, God immediately, He's very sweet. He, you know, he says, if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it'll be open. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, praise God. You do have to do a little seeking, but he's right there. He wants to talk to you. And I heard this. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but I mean just down, you know, when you're, in, I'm, not, I'm not a morning person, so I'm talking to God, but I'm not in my head yet. I'm not even awake. But I heard him say, I'd like to talk to you about your marriage. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little duller than you, you know. I, I, go, I go, well, God, that's nice, but that's not why I called this meeting. That's not an exaggeration or a paraphrase. That is exactly what I said to God. That is not why I called this meeting. Like, I am in charge. Well, he just went quiet on me in that, that hour of prayer. I didn't hear anything. Well, I, I'm not a quitter, so I got up the next day, day number two, and I said, now, Father God, I'd like, to talk to you. I'd like you to talk to me about church finances. He said, I'd like to talk to you about your marriage. 
And I said, well, Father, that is not the reason. I mean, Amber and I, we're good. I mean, I know we're, we're good, and that's not why I called this meeting. Well, he didn't say anything more. Well, the third day, I'm repeating this again. You know God's more stubborn than you or me or any of us all put together. You can't outlast him. You can't wear him out. And I said, now, Father, here I am third day. I'd like you to talk to me about the church finances. He said, I'd like to talk to you about your marriage. Well, finally, I got a little bit of a clue, and I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and let him talk to me about what he wants to talk about. And then once we get that done, we'll get to the real issue. Now, you laugh at me, but check yourself out. God's having me tell off on me because your answer's in there somewhere. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he, uh, I go, okay, Father, go ahead. What's up with my marriage? And he dealt with me. I won't get into all the details, but he dealt with me about an inner attitude I was carrying around about her in, in, uh, in an area relative to our relationship. And I saw that, and I go, well, yes, I acknowledge that. You're right. I said, well, you need to repent to me, and then you need to, she's asleep. I said, you need to repent to her. And I said, all right, I will do it. And then he took me over. We're not turning there, but he took me over. Now he said, now I want you to uh, look at 1 Peter 3, 7. And in 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter, under the unction of the Spirit, is writing, he's talking to husbands. He says, husbands, honor your wives as the weaker vessel. Really, he's just meaning typically, on average, and I've seen some girls that could just kick my butt physically. <laughs> but typically, physically, you know, men tend to be a little stronger physically than the ladies are. That's all he means by that. Amen. It says, wives, or husbands, honor your wives as a weaker vessel. And then it says, and as partakers of the air of, as an heir of grace that's on your life. Lest your prayers be not answered. Well, he, he first dealt with me about this whole thing about um, your spouse is a partaker of the grace that's on your life. And he said, you are not honoring her place, her God-ordained place in your pastoral ministry. You're the pastor, but she is with you, and she is your spouse, and she's called... And there is, she's an heir, a partaker. A co partake means to be a co-equal heir of the grace, the ability that's on your life. In other words, I wasn't allowing her to have whatever flow or place that I needed to have, even in my thinking. And I said, well, what do I do about that? And he said, well, uh, you need to repent to me and repent to her. And I said, okay, I repent to you, and I won't do that anymore, and uh, I'll, I'll repent to her. And then... He directed my attention again to that seventh verse of 1 Peter chapter 3. And it says, lest your prayers be not hindered. Men, if your prayers aren't working, it might be because you're not treating your wife right. Oh, we're having fun this morning. Aren't we? Amen. Now the same principle that goes one direction goes the other way. Ladies, if your prayers are being hindered, there's a reason why. Notice, you go back to my first point, it's not all up to God. We have to have faith that works. And if we just say, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, but we're getting broker, we're getting sicker, we're getting, things are, things are being subtracted from our lives, things are not clicking. My Dr. Dufresne used to say, if things aren't clicking, stop and find out why they're not clicking. Because when you're in the flow of God, with God, right, things click. Things work. Yeah. 
Yes, there's a devil to deal with, but he's defeated. And faith is the victory. But a lot of us, we've got a lot of monkey wrenches in our faith machine. And things are not going to work right until you deal with your issues. And I saw it like a flash. He'd been trying to talk to me about church finances all along. What had I been praying about? Church finances. He couldn't answer those prayers. Why? My prayers were being hindered because I was out of line with her. Now, this is just supernatural. This was early in the morning, and that particular day, it should have been dealt with two days ago, but I was stubborn. Well, this particular day, I'm driving, I'm leaving before anyone's going to get up to go to Nashville where Dr. Dufresne is going to be preaching a service, a morning meeting. And so I had to be on the road. So I said, God, I see it. I see it. Thank you for that. Now, I hadn't talked to a soul. I got in my car and I went to Nashville. But I told God, now, you have my word. First, I'm going to get to this meeting. Right after that, first opportunity I have, I'll call her on the phone. I'll repent to her about both those things, which I did. So anyway, I'm sitting in the service, minding my own business, large crowd, morning service, hundreds of people there. Dr. Dufresne gets introduced, they hand a microphone off to him, and you know, as he would sometimes do, he'd kind of stumble around at first. He'd talk about like I'm circling the airport, trying to figure out where God wants me to go. <laughs> if you're in ministry, have you ever felt like that? I've felt like that. Amen. And so all of a sudden, he stumbles around and he stops. And he goes, Pastor Chris Cody, you out there? I went, oh... I'm getting called out. The principal is calling me out. And I said, yes, sir. And I don't remember. I, I think he told me to stand up, stand up, you know, or whatever. Or if, I, or if he just let me sit, whatever. And he goes, I saw you in my hotel room. Oh. <laughs> Meaning a, a prophet is a seer. And, he, and I'm submitted to him. He's my spiritual life. It's not like God's just randomly telling off on you. But, you know, I'm submitted to him. And he says, I was in my hotel room and I saw you make a decision. I saw you make a decision. Now you watch. There's coming a new flow of finances into your church you've never seen before. Now that's just super. How could he know that? How could he know that? I hadn't talked to a soul. Not a soul. That was God. Confirming through my spiritual father that it was him dealing with me. What is the whole point? I had to change some things. So don't get frustrated with the faith life. People get frustrated and they give themselves internally an A+. I'm doing everything right. And God is failing me. Listen, that's not humble. That's nowhere near possible. How many of you you have enough honesty to be humble? That if there's a problem somewhere, how many of you know that God is not your problem? God is not my problem. And I know we get frustrated, we get in our flesh, and maybe we're facing desperate circumstances, and then religion has taught us that it's God's fault. Religion has taught us it's all up to God. Well, I prayed and my baby died. God didn't do that. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. He couldn't, apparently. Something prevented him. But it's the devil that steals, kills, and destroys. Not God. I would not serve Him. I'd be drinking long necks and watching NFL this morning if God was like that. But He's not like that. He's good. I said He's good. And I, on behalf of all Christian religion 
and every doubt-filled, unbelieving, mistaught preacher out there, I am sorry for how many, so many in the body of Christ have been taught. That you just pray your prayer, you throw it up there in heaven, and God will decide. And if it doesn't turn out right, then you're just going to have to find a way to trust and believe that God had a plan in that car accident. No, honey. God is not into that kind of thing. That's good news, everybody. God's not behind abuse. God's not behind neglect. God's not behind poverty. He's not behind Hurricane Ian. This world is broken. It is broken. It's under a curse, the curse of sin. And sin is filling up in the earth like it was back in Noah's day. And the earth is teetering and tottering under the weight of sin. But it's not always going to be that way. And time is running out and Jesus is coming back soon. Hallelujah. And if you don't know Jesus, nobody will do you like Jesus will do you. And you need to get on the right jersey. You need to get washed in the blood. You need to get your name in the book. Come on. Hallelujah. And learn. Learn, learn, learn. I'm, I don't know it all, but I am learning. Amen. My mom died at 58. That was not God's fault. It's not God's fault. My mom chose to live 58 years, 57 and a half outside the kingdom. My mom chose that. Hallelujah. 57 years of life, she could have been in the Bible, could have been in church, could have been learning, could have been developing, could have been growing, but she chose not to. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Now, see, I feel like I'm around the airport and I don't know where to go next, but anyway. Hallelujah. Thank you. Look down at verse number 38. We're still in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, notice it says, Now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In other words, like we said last week, God intends faith to be our lifestyle, not something that we pick up during life's few emergencies. We are to live by faith. So it's an entire way of life. It's a way that we live. Well, how many of you got saved after the age of 15, 16, 17? You know, most of us get saved early. But how many of you lived, I lived kind of a carnal life for a lot of my, well, however long you lived before you got saved, you did not live by faith. You couldn't. You didn't have faith. Faith is a gift. You get it when you're born again, the God kind of faith. So, how did we live? Most of us have been trained, trained to live by sight. We live by sight, right? If you don't live by faith, that's what you're going to live by sight. You're going to live by reason. You're going to live by the five physical senses. And that's where all your decision making is going to come out of. That's how you're going to live. There is no other way to live. But listen, so many Christians get born again and they receive the measure of faith into their life. But they never shift over and begin to live by faith. They just continue on living by sight. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. And this is not something that you just are born into the kingdom with skill in. You have to learn yeah. how to walk by faith. 
And just like a child learning to walk, you're going to take very small steps at first. You know, you're going to take baby steps in faith. You know, if you don't have faith, the measure of faith to believe God for, uh, you know, a suit of clothes, well, believe God for a pair of socks, man. And don't be ashamed of that. Amen. Someone said something years ago back at Church of the Harvest just revolutionized my thinking, helped me so much. He said, if you need $10,000, you need $10,000. Anybody need $10,000? Okay. You need $10,000. But you don't have the, you know, when you think about believing God for $10,000, that overwhelms your, that, you don't have the measure of faith for that. He said, uh, well, then don't, don't try to believe God for $10,000. But I need $10,000. He said, believe God for a thousand ten times. So help me. So I'm going to believe God for a thousand. And then when that money comes in, I'm going to believe God for another thousand. <laughs> and ramp yourself up. Because with every faith victory... I mean, it's like bench pressing. Every time you get that thing up, and the more times you get that up, then you're going to get more acclimated at that weight. And what used to be, you know, you're, you're about to pop out your blood, you know, vessel. Before long, you're going, dun, 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 dun. and then you're going to have to, then you can add more on. This is why you should not wait for stage four cancer to show up in your body before you get interested in what I'm talking about. Because that's like putting four 45-pound plates on both sides of a bench press, and you had not been in the gym in five years. You're going to die. Unless God does a miracle. That's why Wigglesworth said, if you wait to get faith until you need faith, you're often going to come and find out that you're too late. So you believe God for, right, right now you believe God for a headache to go. You, leave God, you believe God for a... Uh, arthritis in your thumb to leave. You start where you are. We need to be sober about these things. Not down on ourselves, but sober. If my measure of faith is not clicking, not working to get arthritis out of a thumb joint, what makes me think if the doctor says you need a new heart that you've got faith to receive that? But a lot of times we just, well, I... We're not intense enough to make those tweaks, talk to God, find out why that's not working. We just put up with. But then when the catastrophic things happen, we are not prepared. We're not ready. And then we're praying prayers of desperation, and when it doesn't happen, religion wants to blame God. I'm preaching good this morning. These are very serious, real things. Hallelujah. But thank God, faith itself, that's not hard. Believing God is not hard. Are you a believer? Well, who ever heard of a believer that can't believe? I've never seen my dog struggling to bark. Dogs bark. That's what they do. They're good at it. Amen. Cats meow and donkeys bray. Amen. What do believers do? Come on, that's what we do. We believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Go back over to Galatians chapter 2 with me. Thank you, Father. Got a few more minutes? Galatians chapter 2. Now, we're going to get to what faith is 
and how faith works and how to employ your faith, how to build your faith, all those things. But right now, I'm just sensing that God's having us camp on the priority of faith and getting us to embrace faith as a lifestyle. Amen? Because Now, why faith? Well, because God has authored the faith life because the faith life is what's going to enable us to overcome everything. Faith is how you and I are going to overcome everything that life and the devil is going to throw at us. That's why he authored the faith life, because living by faith. What do I mean by that? I mean living by trusting what he said. That's what faith is. I know God. He is in my life. I'm in a relationship with him, and he said something to me. Amen. I, I read his love letter to me. That's called the Bible. It's a personal love letter to me. It's not just a dry, impersonal religious book. It is written to me. The New Testament letters, the epistles, were written to the church. So I fellowship with God through His Word. Amen. And I read things like, I see it in there, you don't, you shouldn't. But I see in Philippians 4.19, I see it read, Chris, I will supply all your need. The actual scripture says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. But see, it's personal to me. I hear God saying, Chris, I shall supply all your need. Well, to live by faith then means, I believe that. I'm assured of that. I'm confident in that. I plan on that. I'm counting on that. I'm trusting in what he said when it doesn't look like what he said is confirming that. I trust him. If you're going to be a faith person at all, you have to understand this. Faith, faith flows out of fellowship. Faith flows out of fellowship. So if God's not real to you, I mean, if God's not real to you, then how could you have strong faith in someone you don't know? So you can go to, are you practicing religion or are you here learning how to live a relationship? Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the God of the universe wanting you to be his son and to be his daughter. We're not his employees. We're not his subjects. Now, these technical terms can't apply. He's the king of the kingdom, and we're in the kingdom. But how most people view subjects, that's... Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. From now on, I call you friends. Think about that. You're so loved of God. People miss this. Faith is not a formula to get what you want out of God. Some people have, have given that impression. Okay, Pastor, tell me what button do I push and what lever do I pull to get money to come out of God's hand? And that is not how this thing works. It's not how this thing works. He's not a sugar daddy. It's really why a lot of people don't receive more from the Father. Is they never, they never show any interest in being around Him. We just 
want to storm the gates of heaven. Anyone who wants to storm the gates of heaven doesn't know really anything about Christianity. The gates of heaven are open. And I don't live outside the gate spiritually. The Bible says that the Christian is seated with Christ in heavenly places at the Father's right hand. Wow. I don't live my life outside the gate. I'm not trying to storm the gate. I'm living it spiritually speaking. I'm positioned well inside the gate. So are you. So are you. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. All right. Galatians 2.20, because we're going to have to wrap up again. See, where does the time go? I just, where does the time go? Galatians 2.20 says, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. We were here last week. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live. I'm going to stop right there. Notice that must mean he lived a different life before this. <laughs> Amen. He lived, a, he lived a life and he lived that life a certain way. But now he's saying because Christ lives in me, I'm not living the way I used to live. I'm living different. I'm living a different way. I'm living a different lifestyle. You shouldn't have gotten saved, honey, if you didn't want to live different. Again, Christianity is not your get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm just going to pull it, live, like a, live like the devil and pull it out and wave it at God as the rapture happens. That's not going to fly. Amen. Praise God. God's got sons and God's got daughters. And if you're not among them, you can be. God's got good sons and daughters and he's got naughty ones. And he loves them all. Amen. He loves us all. Y'all could do better, especially in the back, saying amen. Some of my words are bouncing off your foreheads and coming back and hitting me in the head. <laughs> well, see, we're supposed to live by faith. He said, the life I now live, how does he live it? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. You see, the things that uh, are promised us in the new covenant, they are of faith. They are of faith. We, the law says you earn them. Amen. But faith says you receive them. Amen. Let's, we're very close by. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Just to the right, a couple of pages, depending on how your Bible's laid out. Ephesians chapter 2. Amen. Almost done. Y'all all right? Hallelujah. Got to embrace this. I'm, I'm, a faith, I'm a faith guy. I'm a faith girl. Hallelujah. The Bible says, uh, praise God for any that wants to come to God must believe. You must believe that God is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Sixth verse of Hebrews 11 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. The word please there in the Greek means satisfy. Satisfy. So, in other words, it's impossible to satisfy God's requirements without faith. Amen. See, when we're, when we're pursuing a relationship with Him, amen, and He's our Father and we're His child, and that's how we're living, and it's a daily enjoyment, it's a daily dynamic. Faith flows free out of that. You know, correction's really easy. A lot of times, you know, 
instruction and correction comes with my kids, not in a spanking or a timeout, but just in personal interaction and conversation. No, son, that's not the way you do that. If you, if you use a chainsaw like that, you're going to end up at the hospital like Dad did. It's just fellowship. It's relationship. Learn from my mistakes, sonny boy. Amen. You know, the training. The, you know, all my girls, God knows, they didn't learn how to do it from me. But all my girls, they can cook, they can cook it up. Well, that's because they've had women in their lives. Amen. And through fellowship. You know, no, that's, that's not a pinch. This is a pinch. You know, whatever that is, then they know how to do it. Yeah, I'm telling you, you just become a giant. Maybe, that's, maybe I didn't do that very well, but I mean, it's just a good <laughs> illustration, right? I mean, it's just as we live together. Amen. And you grow up under the umbrella of someone who loves you. Now, when you get out of line, there's stronger correction that comes. But that's not the flow. The flow of it is, no, honey, don't do that. And so, you know, if you're in fellowship with God and, and uh, you, you pray a certain way and you say, Oh, Father God, if it be your will, uh, please heal little Johnny. Well, God loves you. He's not going to give you the smackdown, but He's going to, if you're listening to Him and you're developing a relationship with Him, something will bother you down on the inside about that. Hmm, they, they, He didn't really receive that. Father, what was wrong with me saying, if it be thy will? He probably talk right back to him because, because, honey, it is my will. You don't have to question my will. Get in my word and find out what my will is. Oh, oh. Well, just that little nugget that you get out of personal fellowship with God puts you light years ahead of most theological graduates who spent four years and a lot of money getting messed up in their mind about the Bible. Flowing out of fellowship. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trying to get to this one thing. We'll close right here. Amen. Let's look at verse 4 of Ephesians 2. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us, that means made us alive, together with Christ. Now notice this, by grace. Are you saved? By grace are you saved. Amen. Verse 6. And has raised us up together. And made us sit outside the gate. No. Made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace, he's going to say it again. For by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Right? Well, I skipped a very important phrase, didn't I? For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen? Amen? By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. Now notice this, salvation, getting to heaven, becoming His child, having your sins wiped away, becoming a new creature. There's nothing you can do to earn that. 
The word grace means free favor. It's unearned, undeserved. Kindness and favor from God. So salvation, we know this, is a gift. And that is called in the Bible, grace. But notice, we are saved by that gift. We are saved by His grace, what He offered, what He paid for, what He made available. But being saved by grace is not where it ends. The grace that saves people has been extended to the entire world, to the entire human race. Is the entire human race saved? No, why? What do they lack? Through faith. So notice, grace is the benefit, the, the gift, the thing. But it flows, it reaches our lives through the pipeline of faith. Are you with me? View faith as a pipeline. And all that grace has made available can only reach your life, Reverend Marilyn, through the pipeline of your faith. And so the grace that saves has been made available to the whole world. But it only becomes actual in your life when you, through faith, receive it. Think about that. And how hard is that? What do you do? Jesus, I repent. Take me. I mean, people have been saved a lot of different, with a lot of different utterances. I know some people have been saved by going, Jesus, help me, in that moment. And they, all we ever have record of the great apostle Paul saying is, Lord. He's laying on his back on the sandy road to Damascus, and he says, Lord, who are you? Who are you? What do you want me to do? And from there on, he's moving with God. What did the, uh, the thief on the right side of Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Now, did he believe in his heart and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ? He hadn't even done it yet. He said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. That was enough. I said that was enough. But see, faith must be exercised. Well, this is how we're going to close. Think about this. We're saved by grace through faith. Through my individual faith, I'm saved. Well, guess what? You're healed by grace. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead unto sins might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, grace has already healed your body. Grace has already healed your children. What's it waiting on? For you to hook up your pipeline of faith so that you can receive it. You know, it's grace that protects you from tragedy. One of the benefits in Psalm 103 is that He's redeemed my life from destruction. Well, how come so many Christians die in tragedies? Talk to the Father. There are lots of reasons, but it's not God's will. The grace has already been given 
to protect you and your kids in these evil days. But it must be that grace, we're, we could say it this way, for I am protected by grace through faith. We have to bring that part to it. It's by grace that my bills are paid. I'm not lucky. <laughs> I don't believe in luck. My God, well, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you have been always having all sufficiency in all things. We'll have an abundance. Amen. Talking about money and finances. So it's grace that pays our bills. But it's by grace through faith that my bills are paid, that my family's protected. That my body is healed. That all of the promises of God are received. Now close with this thought. You could have a pipeline of faith that's this big. Right? If that's your measure, if that's the pipe you build, well then that amount of grace for finances can get in there and flow to you. It's not God deciding how much grace. It's our measure of faith. But if over time I build him a pipeline of faith, he'll fill it up. We go from grace to grace. We go from faith to faith. Work on your faith this week. Develop your relationship with God. Enjoy Him. Spend time with Him. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Amen? Dig around in His love letter to you and find out what these promises. Amen? And then keep coming to these services. Keep coming to these services and with God's wonderful help, we'll endeavor to teach you how to have strong faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much.